Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mid-America Bigfoot Research Field Guide Radio Show. This is episode number 48, uh, and we are live out in the field at the Boggy Depot Conference State Park, uh, where there's currently movies in the park going on with a lot of high school kids and a bunch of youngsters over there watching the, the scary movies. Uh, we're having a good time. The weather is good. Uh, since we're out in the field and we, we're, we're not at home with all the technical uh aspects of the show. We don't have the intro that we normally would have, so we're just going to go straight into the talk. Uh, surrounded right now with, uh, with a lot of good, solid MABRC people who took the time to make the trip to be here, and uh, would like to give a shout out to our youngest researcher, Izzy, who won his first football game today. All right. Woo-hoo. Awesome. Awesome. And we've got a special, special co-host Sitting with us today, everyone that's in the in the chat room would probably know Reverend Strone, Daniel Falconer. He came all the way from New Zealand. He's making several several research stops, and fortunately for us, our stop is one of them. And uh, I will be spending some time out in the field with him uh, after this weekend, and hopefully have some good quality research time in uh, on a belt. Uh, how are you doing, Daniel? Are you are you happy to be here? I'm doing great, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, I, I couldn't be more pleased to have you sitting here with us uh, and, and enjoying this with us. The weather is really, really nice. Uh, we've had some spotty rain today, but I would say it's a, it's a nice, cool 60, 65 degrees, uh, very comfortable. It's not raining now, uh, and hopefully it will stay that way. Uh, but tonight, we have a very special guest. Uh, is he up yet? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, he's still trying to log in, but uh, our Guest tonight is Ed Smith. Uh, we have had a couple of shows with Ed Smith on it before. One was a follow-up show. I believe we had a follow-up show with him. Okay, no follow-up shows, just the original show with Ed Smith. Okay, so everyone is, is fully aware of, of Ed Smith and the original six, his, his crew, his, his, uh, his group of gentlemen that uh, have been doing their research and studies for 10 years now. Uh, you know, they started out with a 10-year plan, got together, you know, and decided to put some money into this research, and uh, they ha- they always had a 10-year plan. They have gone beyond that 10-year plan right now uh, by, I don't know, a year and a half or so, so it's more like 11 years now. Uh, so I know Ed is very anxious to, to reach the end of this 
uh, you know, it's been a lot of work. I've developed a friendship with Ed. We've spoken quite a bit, quite extensively on the, on the phone. And uh, so I, I have quite a bit of insight on, on their research and, and where he's been and, and what they've done. Uh, and I've been excited about it ever since he uh, came to the MABRC forum and started uh, sharing some of their research and, and looking for uh, anyone who could uh, document some of the things that they were coming up with in the field as that would be needed to, to further scientific uh, looking into this is by having something verified and, and, and done again in, in the field elsewhere uh, that would match what they've got. Uh, so anyways, uh, I've got my co-host here, uh, D.W. Lee, and uh, we are going to be carrying this show tonight uh, from the Bogu Depot. And I'm going to go ahead and let Darren fill you in on some of the happenings today that got us to this point. Okay, yeah. Uh... Just because of uh, the technical difficulties, I'm going to have Randy call Ed and just have Ed call my cell phone, and we'll see if we can do a conference call here and get him on the air because I, I know he's having problems dialing in. Uh, one of the things that we decided to do is uh, since we were going to have most of us down here at the Boggy Depot Bigfoot Conference, we thought it would be great to, to have a live show in the field. And, uh, of course, it's been kind of iffy just because of the fact that we're way out in the middle of nowhere and there's hardly any uh, cell coverage. So uh, we got with Ed and asked him if he'd like to do a show, and, you know, he really agreed, wanted to do it. He's on the show. Oh, is he? You need to unmute him. Is he Squatcher Dave? Are you Squatcher Dave? What are you on as? S6. S6? Yes, 6 Yes, 6 Yeah, it don't show him as... Okay, what Darren needs you to do is just call him on his cell phone. He's going to put you on conference call. Okay. Okay. And folks, uh, you got to forgive us. I mean, this is the first time we've uh, tried this in the field, so okay. we're still learning the ropes. Uh, while I'm here, uh, uh, no, you call him. I'm going to give a shout out to everybody. We got Sister here. We've got uh, Blaine, who is uh, Splatter's husband. We got Hunter. We got Sensor Tech. We got Big Jim. We got. Okay. Stop. <laughs> then we got Be the Monkey. Of course, we got Raven Strong. We got Splatter. We got Bushman. Of course, we got Randy and myself. And let me put this conference uh, all together. Okay. Can you hear me, Ed? I can hear you. Okay. We uh, do believe have you on conference call, so uh, okay. we're going to try to run with this. and I'm going to turn it over to Randy, and uh, he's going to start it off, and we'll see where we can go with it. Okay. All right, man. This has been rough tonight, Ed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say okay. that, I, I know you've been trying like mad to get in on your end, and yeah. technical difficulties on this end, I think it all stems from the fact that we have little to no cell phone coverage out here, and it is taking everything hours to download when we need something to pop up quickly. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're just going to – I've jotted down a few questions. And, you know, I think what's important about the, the radio show tonight is everyone has had a chance to go through the archive show that we've done with you in the past, and there was so much information on that, that radio show that everybody is, is very anxious to, to see 
come to fruition and uh, and see where, where this has has ended up. Uh, you know as well as I that uh, a couple of years ago when you you came forward with your with your group and <clears throat> was were, were looking to share information, you know some things happened and, and people got a little anxious and and a little jumped the gun, and you guys pulled back a little bit. Could you describe your ten year plan and how you came up with the ten year plan and and, and how you stepped forward in a couple of years ago, and then you pulled back, and the reasons for pulling back, because I think a lot of people get a little impatient, and, you know, we're, we're in these, this fast food world where you want it now, and you've got to have it now, uh, and, and people were expecting to, to hear these great things from you, and then when you pulled back, I think there was a lot of, a lot of disappointment, and, you know, and it's nothing on your end because you have a plan, and, and you're still following through with your plan. So if you would, can you, can you explain to our listeners how you and your group came up with a 10-year plan and, and how you, you know, came to bring that information forward a couple of years ago. Okay. Well, back in the late 90s is when we kind of resolved to, to step off and try and do something as far as, um, you know, anything meaningful from what, what we would consider meaningful um, as far as research and as also investigation. So we started off with uh, just basically jotting down notes that later turned into a rather extensive uh, written almost a manual and then we started breaking it out into sections as to where we wanted to go as far as with our you know what technology was available in the day what we could do with what budget we had um, and as we moved through time forward into the early 2000s uh, more resources became available and more technology became available so we started collecting in data and um, holding it for testing, and some t in some instances actually even moving it through a testing process. <clears throat> so what brought us up to the time that um, we were getting close to basically to the end of this plan, and we always had a plan of putting this together in a documentary. Um, but how can you compress? It became an issue of how do you, at that time it was eight years into it, how do you compress eight years of uh, research and eight years of data and eight years of, of substance into, you know, a two or three hour documentary? <coughs> Excuse me. So we said, well, we'll just expand that to, you know, doing, basic, doing it in basically three volumes and letting the three volumes grow up to a certain point and then we just would at 10, 10 years out, release it. Um, we decided that to go into the, to contact the MABRC because we had been looking into and researching uh, a number of groups that some came and went and some, um, some probably should have went when they didn't. But uh, <laughs> we ended up uh, deciding to go with the MABRC um, just because we liked the philosophy of thinking outside the box and that's kind of really what the basis of our research is, is thinking outside the box and thinking of what would be, what we would consider to be innovative as to how to collect more information about these animals. Um, so when we brought the possibility up into the MABRC, um, a few things got misconstrued. We had a few things pulled off of the forum and shoved into other forums and just completely, you know, taken to the floor, and we decided at that point uh, to decrease any more of this 
really senseless bashing uh, that just gets in the way, has has gotten in the way for years, uh, we would pull back and continue our work basically in, in the dark. And uh, it worked for us before, and it's working for us again, and it's continuing to do it because we're almost done with our documentary now. Awesome. First awesome. Well, you know, Ed, I, you know, I, I, I want the listeners to understand <clears throat> my perspective. I have always been an information junkie. I mean, before I even got out into the field, I spent so much time in the library, uh, so many hours online just looking into this subject. And when it came to the information that you were bringing forward, it, it, it satiated that craving of mine for new information. When you and I were having conversations on the phone, I mean, from the very beginning of you joining our forum, I mean, I was just so taken back by your approach, the, the technology that you guys were using, and, and to be honest with you, I was eating it up. And uh, it really didn't bother me. It seemed to bother people around me that, that, you know, they were getting so tantalizingly close to seeing what you guys had but never got to see the, the end product. It, it's hard to believe that that never really did bother me because I really did value your and my friendship and, and all the discussions that we had had and, and just how much I was loving hearing something that other people only wish they could hear, as, as you and I were talking about some of the studies that you guys were doing. Uh, and so, of course, I want to thank you for you know, bringing well, me that's in. Kind of, that's why I was trying to post it into the forum, and, and we was trying to become more open. But, of course, unfortunately, there are others that don't want that to happen. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that is too true. I mean, that is so true. And even amongst a small group, you need everybody that thinks differently. And my thought, and I would hope everybody else kind of falls in line like I have, that eventually it's going to come out. I mean, don't get upset if, if it doesn't happen on your time frame. If it's out there, it's going to come out, and it's someday you're going to see what's out there. And, uh, and, and that brings it to the document's future release. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so what, what, is, what can we expect as an audience to see what we've so tantalizingly heard about in what you guys have? Uh, when when can we expect to, to see something on screen for us? On a, as far as a release date? Yes. Is that what your question is? Okay, well, we're, we are, right now the final cut of the first volume is setting it right around 200, uh, well, two hours and, I think it's two hours and 54 minutes, something like that, before the end credits are added, and there's, so those aren't even done yet, which is kind of, you know, you have to credit everything and everybody. Um, so we have to take that and cut that down to two hours to fit a network commitment that um, we have to deliver on. Our original delivery date was the October 19th, just a few days ago. We've had to move that to November 9th because we just haven't been able to get get the product cut down to a a two-hour time frame to allow the network to run it. And can you tell our listeners that the reason it needs to be a flat two hours is because it's going to a, a cable show which does not do commercials? Right. It's going into a cable network that does not, it won't have any commercials on it. Um, but we can't, we, we can't have it going over two hours. The thing is, is to try and edit something down so you don't lose context of the information that's presented that will cause all kinds of issues, and we know what those kinds of issues can become. Well, you know, Um, we've got a co-host here, uh, Reverend Stone, who is in the movie industry. Uh, He mm -hmm. can probably appreciate how you can pull one subject out, whether it be artistic drawings, 
and, and pull something out of the middle and have people expect to make that jump and not figure out how they got from point A to point B, C without right. B. Right. So. And that would cause even more issues, I would, I would yes. think. Yes. So that's why we're trying to be very careful about how we cut and where we cut. And some things, and there may be complete incidents that we will have in the DVD version that won't be in the actual network version because there's no the time just doesn't permit that. Well, that's one thing that I've I've, I've always appreciated, and you're in my discussions, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I've I've got a touch of OCD. That that's why I'm a, I'm a perfectionist in the job that I do in the fighting industry, uh, and and I get that when it comes to details, the details in your documentaries, and you seem to be the one in charge of content and things like that, and. And you may have a bit of OCD, just like me. So, uh, but that, that's not a bad thing. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with trying to be perfect in what you're going to put out there. Well, I, I don't think perfect is the actual thing I'm going for. It's to alleviate the problems before they become problems or issues before they become issues. And um, I've been a big believer in that the devil is in the details. So maybe I am a little bit of that, you know, uh, OCD or, or whatever, but I'm... I just want to try and alleviate as many problems or if that can become issues or issues that can become problems down the road, whichever you want, however way, however you want to look at that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that effectively covers, you know, the, that you guys are are wrapping up the document, which you claimed all along that you were going to be working on, uh, and, yep. and and it, it's have been and still are. <laughs> and and shortly in the future, it, it it's in it, it'll be out. So that that's great. But I've also got a few questions I'd like to ask you about some of the things that we've talked about in the past. Without revealing too much information, uh, you know, I'd like to talk about possible DNA and tissue samples that may have been collected, uh, you know, in the Atoka area, and uh, okay. specifically how that the chain of events with that DNA, how it was given to labs to to be tested, and how that translated into discussions with academia and uh, maybe universities, things like that, without giving out any names, can you kind of give us a pathway of how it went from laboratory to academia trying to get a hold of you to, to look into this? Okay, well, um, a little over a year ago, we got involved in a site down there in the uh, Toka Colgate um, region. And um, a lot of that can be read about on the archive, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time with going into the details of all that. Thank you. We had uh, collected um, samples, uh, both blood and tissue and hair. Um, those samples were uh, sent to 11 different labs uh, so we could maintain also a control pool of these samples. Because um, in, in doing this kind of research, you need to not only have your samples tested, but from that same sample set or location, you need to maintain a a quantity as a control so someone else can test it. That is a, that's incredibly important because if you don't have that control, then you're only going off of what was initially collected. And right. And I'd, like, I'd, I'd like to bring up one thing about you and my discussion. At that whole time frame when we were talking about tissue and, and the, the samples being tested, you said something to me that I thought was so brilliant. And that is that you said each of the 11 laboratories that this, uh, these samples were sent to did not know that they were being sent anywhere else. They thought they were the only place being sent these samples. 
and that was because you were looking to see if there was any type of attempt at any type of cover-up through government agencies or anyone coming in. I thought that was as I, – I, I just thought that was brilliant. I'd never heard of, any, of, of anything going to that kind of never depth. Send them. You never send them, and we never sent them, but you should never send them as possible Bigfoot sample. You never do that. You send that as unknown specimen or unknown sample and give it a code number and, and, a, and a basically a, a, a sample number. And that you can look that up in the, the archive as to how we do that. So, uh, well, and it's my understanding, through one of those samples being tested, that's how you got in contact with the university. Can you, I mean, can you give us whatever you can about how okay. interesting that conversation must have been? Uh, <laughs> at a uh, regional university, uh, down here, um, but in, you know, I'll, I'll just say regional because I don't want to. There's just too much to have to to fish through. Yeah. But uh, I um, I had an interesting conversation with um, basically the head of that department who did conduct a sample uh, or test on one of the samples or several of the samples out of our control pool, um, and there was basically the look of um, when we gave, when he gave us his results, and we brought in the results from the lab, which we had already tested, and he looked at both sets in front of him. I thought this man was going to turn white as a sheet of paper. And then when um, certain photos were shown to him of what what was uh, accompanied that as to what where these was was collected and uh, the footprints and, and, and issues like that. Um, I thought he, he was actually, I, I don't think he ever put together what he was looking at until we threw the our lab's findings on the table with his. You know, and, and, and as, as you described that, how you put all of that together in one package, which would have several different aspects, it, it should be eminently important to our listeners that you – you shouldn't just run forward with a footprint and say, look, there's a Bigfoot out here, or run forward with a hair, or run forward no. with a, a blurry photograph. When you put all this together and they overlap each other and connect together, it becomes a much stronger evidence. Yeah. Another thing I want to say about the Atoka, um, the Atoka evidence pool, um, we was brought onto the scene of that. Um, we did not capture any electronic data while this event was going on as far as the incident. So I kind of hold that evidence pool at somewhat of a greater distance than some of the other evidence that we've collected with our, uh, not only uh, with video and audio and, and data recordings and, um, you know, samples and physical evidence at the scene, uh, because we can actually say, well, this is what has been captured by the electronics as well as the the uh, genetic testing that was done on both samples. So I have to say that what we captured with the myriad of uh, devices and uh, technology that's out there versus what we have in the Atoka Colgate evidence pool, I don't hold um, – I, 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 can, I can say, well, take a look at that evidence in that Batoka pool, and then take a look at the evidence that we have over here at, that we've captured with our electronics and, and 
uh, done genetic testing on and, and so forth and everything like that. And that evidence pool, and that evidence pool is actually stronger than the Atoka evidence pool. However, we have more evidence in the pool from Atoka than we do a quantity of evidence. Not from any other single... Yeah, than what we have in our actual electronic capturing and, and all that kind of on those particular incidents. Well, in case there's any in case there's any listeners uh, going through the archives and listening to this show at a later date uh, and not listening now who have not listened to the previous show, uh, I just want to touch base on some of the other technology, not only high dollar thermal uh, cameras, but uh, we're talking we're talking uh, triangulation for sound. Uh, uh, you know the the sound towers that you guys had uh, uh, engineered by the uh, by the tech guy and oh, uh, the MIT guy. Yeah, yeah. You know those uh, how you guys are trying to make sounds to get locations. He's actually appearing in the documentary. Well, awesome! That is awesome. So uh, that and then cause he and then actually, the feedback that goes into the computers. Uh, you know that that from the ground sensors and shows that they're bipedal or quadruped. Yeah, and that's that's off the shelf technology. That was off-the-shelf stuff right there. Yeah, off-the-shelf. Well, with the military, but three together in the in the in one single package for for one animal going across the field and being able to put all of those together on the same animal I mean, is amazing. See, that that technology was developed for not just the military, but for the um, corrections department of corrections, for they can uh, put ground sensors around their fencing. Wow. And they'll know whether or not that it's a dog walking up to the fence or whether they got an escape yeah. walking up to the fence. So um, that's off the shelf. That was just adaptable. Wow. Well, that, that kind of segues into uh, my next question. You know, when we were talking about the, you uh, uh, keeping each lab uh, ignorant of the other labs testing the, the, the samples just to make sure that there was no funny business going on and, you know, no cover-ups or anything like that, uh, talking about – government or land land management people. I know you and I discussed a certain area here in Oklahoma, and I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation as it was taking place where you guys had leased some private property and were doing some surveillance. Uh, you know, and, and remember, you know, you're talking about the, 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 the unmarked vehicles and the, the lights being positioned to kind of block you guys' camera. Can you, can you go yeah. over that story without, you yeah, know, uh, we was, uh, and yeah, there's, there's an area that is Kind of over towards VW's uh, stomping grounds um, that we have leased on basically 500 around 500 acres. Um, that it's back in the deep woods, but there is a uh, there's a wildlife preserve, and then right along that same line is basically a clear cut um, high voltage power right away. Uh, there have been reports by the owners of the land that they'd had some interesting going on, and we went out and we took a look and we kind of confirmed that. So we leased the property, and it is still under our lease. Um, that expires in 2012. Um, we went out there, set up our uh, observation to look at this clear cut. Um, had some interesting target development. Um, and then on the uh, wildlife management side, I'd say probably about probably three or four weeks into our little endeavor, um, they had shut down that 
that area. Uh, you couldn't drive into the government side or the wildlife management side. And um, they had shut it down uh, and was basically um, not letting anybody in, uh, into it, which we had actually drove back into it earlier in our, in our investigation. Um, and we, the only reason we knew that they had shut it down was we tried to go back in and it was closed. And they had parked um, a couple of uh, wildlife, uh, basically, uh, game wardens out there. And we talked to them and we said, you know, what's the deal? And they, they gave us some kind of a brush-off deal. We didn't really, you know, they're doing a population count or population study or whatever, you know, whatever excuse they could come up with because that was the two excuses that came from two different game wardens at two different times when we did ask them. So we said, okay. And I thought that was odd. But... Um, I didn't think any more of it, and we kind of went, well, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and kind of see what happens. Um, we had also um, visible light cameras, daytime cameras. We had uh, starlight cameras. We had uh, IR light cameras. Now, that's not the emitting kind. That is the, the sort of light amplification um, camera technology in the IR spectrum. And then we also had thermal IR out on the side. Um, probably not if they're knowing that we actually had thermal out there at the particular targets we were looking at. But then uh, uh, we ended up having a, a nighttime incident when um, we started noticing that they were actually setting up look like a worksite lights, you know, the kind of lights that uh, have the four groupings at the top and you have a like a generator base at the bottom, and and uh, you know how you drive by certain work sites, and they have the area completely lit up. Yeah, big spotlight trailers. Yeah, yeah, like basically. Um, and they started uh, lighting those up and shining them into the clear cut area, which is not even wildlife management property. That right of way runs on private property. So we were like, going, why are they? trying to blind out this right-of-way that is in, in private property. That was just odd to us. Um, it did uh, impede our view of with our daytime cameras and our IR um, light cameras because of the IR light cameras are kind of pa they're passive, basically. They're kind of like a, uh, a starlight, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll produce we were using them in hopes that we could <coughs> get uh, other images because the moon was almost full at this time, and it was clear. And uh, that that technology works really good in the full moon. Um, but when you hit us, they hit us with those kinds of lights. That really kind of negated those those instruments that we were using, with the exception of our thermal IR cameras which we could go in and um, adjust the thermogram for the, uh, I don't know if some, if you get more information on the, the IR cameras, you can adjust the thermogram either as at the firmware, firmware level, which is at the camera, or using it uh, as software, or the software package. The thermogram allows you to block out 
certain heat ranges or certain heat clusters or certain heat bands uh, that allows you to take out a lot of the distortion that's thrown off by uh, heat lamps or heat lights or uh, you know uh, fires or whatever whatever that heat source is. Uh, and then you also can adjust it to amplify uh, the um, temperatures by color uh, from the background to look at cooler colors and and uh, intensify those. But and it's sort of like a you're 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 negating certain the, the high heat areas and you're amplifying the low the low heat areas the cooler areas. So what that did is that it allowed the thermal cameras to actually look at um, with a certain sense of detail what was in essence going on. Um, I never saw, or we never saw, um, anything from these unmarked vans that were coming in um, to this area that I would call suspicious, like throwing food out or throwing any anything like that. But they would enter this, the enter the gate with the approval of the game wardens. And how we knew this is we set up a game camera. Uh, sort of off and around the bin, sort of, I will say, covertly, and we got them on video allowing these these uh, vans to go through. But that's all we saw. We don't know. There's nothing that we can come out and say, oh, well, guess what? We caught you. Um, and that's the problem. We, that It's just so suspicious. It's so It's so odd. That I, I I mean we sat around we talked about it for oh probably the better part of a month as this was going on that what happened was is that it drove off the activity that we were looking for and I'm really have to kind of say uh, I almost thought and, and I'm probably the only one out of our group that thought this that they kind of like knew we were there. They had to know we were there to put these lights out there. Now, I'm not a big uh, conspiracy person, okay, but this kind of pushed those those buttons and pushed those bounds for me. Yeah. Um, they could have been doing something completely benign, I, but we don't know. We simply don't know. Uh, we discontinued our operation um, after basically 53 days of them blaring these lights at us at night. So um, for them to keep that kind of thing up, then to, when we left the area, we had to, under um, different observation. Um, and in three days, they quit turning their lights on. Mm. Well, hey, remember when uh, you said that the, the gentleman who let you lease the land they the the game people came in and tried to purchase the land from him yeah they they tried to purchase the land within i'd say 11 days after the light started they really were wanting to purchase yeah, that land how could not be suspicious that's just odd it's just i'm like okay i tell you what i will counter <laughs> we will find a way to counter their offer We'll, we'll, if they want it that bad, we'll just push it up. And he didn't want to sell it. I mean, 
it's been in his family for years, you know. But, um, you know, like I said, we still have at least till 2012, and we will be returning to it. That is awesome. So, uh, and, well, hey, uh, maybe, maybe we're still there. I don't know. We'll yeah. see that. <laughs> so, uh, whoever well, happens to be listening. I'm going to turn to my two co-hosts. Surely they have been – I see they've been listening uh, – to, to what's being said here, and they've, they've got to be coming up with some kind of questions of their own, certainly. Yes, hold on. Okay, Ed, first, uh, I'm going to let Reverend Strong, if he has any questions he'd like to ask you. Well, I'd love to say hi, first of all, Ed. It's great to talk to you. Finally, in person, we've swapped, swapped the odd post and PM on the forum, so it's nice to, to get to say hello. I'm so glad you were able to make it, because... Um, I have been impressed with, well, not just your artwork, but with your uh, comments and insights as to what we, how we, how all of us, as far as you know, Bigfoot researchers, believers, and open-minded skeptics, and I'm, I'm really, you know, okay with open-minded skepticism because we have to be able to question ourselves as to whether or not we're doing it the right way, or you know, do we have something? So I'm really, I'm really glad you made it. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been, been a lot of fun so far. I'm learning a lot and having a really good time. So. And you got, you picked a great day, time of the year to come. It's not too hot. And it's not, yeah, not overly cold. Not too many bugs. Um, well, I'm, I'm obviously very curious about what we're going to see in these, uh, in these documentaries. And you mentioned that there's going to be multi parts. So I imagine that that means that you guys will have to hold some stuff back. You know, how yeah. much um, are you able, are you at liberty to say without obviously going into specifics, in generally speaking, how much we're going to see even hinted at in the first one and how much we're, you know, we're going to need to wait to see? You're going you're gonna to see um, in the first, doc, the first documentary really is going to be about our first three years in essence for the most part. Yeah. Uh, some of the latest stuff as far as, um, some of our thermal work and stuff like that, that will also be included uh, as, as basically um, highlighting and bringing forward, you know, basically our, our end goals. Um, but, yes, we will. you will also see um, basically the money shot. Uh, I would you know, put, that, put, put it out like that. You're going to see the thermal hits that we get. Wow. Wow. Uh, the things that we cannot, um, we just simply can't explain. And uh, it's one thing um, when you're sitting there in the research trailer and you see the, well, before you see it, you, you're going to hear it moving the brush. That's what the the, audio, the uh, sound towers do for us. Um, it also helps to try and, lo- that, that will try and help to locate the, the movement. If it happens to be close to our ground sensors, then that's double confirmation that there's something out there. And if it's both, if it's enough data in the ground sensors, then you know you got either got something like a, a cow that's walking, you know, in quadruped, or you got something walking in a biped mode. And um, that's double confirmation of something happening. Then, if it's at a long range, then maybe we have a you know, uh, it's probably not in the daytime. It's more nocturnal. Then maybe we'll have a, you know, we'll be able to show 
show the uh, from another camera point a, uh, a starlight image of that particular event that's happening. Um, and then if it does get it within our, our thermal uh, capabilities, then you have a thermal hit. And that becomes quadruple. You have four different data sets coming in electronically that something's there. That paints a very, very compelling picture. Yes, it does. And then you go out there in the daytime, or in, if you're so inclined to go at night after the incident has happened, or even try and approach it with a, a different thermal, a handheld thermal, or whatever, then you have more evidence. But you go out there in the daytime and look along that track. You can get along that track of where it was at because you're listening to the triangulation of the sound as it moves through the, the brush. Even if it doesn't utter a, a, a sound, a grunt, uh, uh, the, uh, a burp, okay, you still will hear the movement through the brush. And that's trackable. So you know basically the, the line that it took. You go out there and you start doing your field investigation looking for signs like hairs in a tree, footprints, cast limbs, um, whatever it may have left. Uh, so there's another set of evidence that comes into play. Something that happened, something moved through the area or, um, should I say, or accosted a trailer that may have been set out there, which I don't know if you remember uh, reading the, the crybaby, um, mm -hmm. um, the crybaby experiment we did. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, that will, that that part will, part of that will be in the first, and the, and part of that will be in the second because of uh, some uh, interesting developments that came out of that. Um, but that footage will be in there too. You just, you just have to keep stacking the evidence together, and you and you cannot, you cannot rely on a single footprint. You cannot rely on one piece of uh, footage. You cannot rely on one photo. You cannot rely on uh, a sound recorded, you've got to try and capture all of it. Yes. The only way to do that is to blanket an area that they may be moving through in order to achieve these kinds of target acquisitions. So that's oh, where that is our focus. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I beg your pardon. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was going to ask, what, what kind of a reaction are you anticipating when this, um, when this comes out? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll get a tremendous amount of criticism. <laughs> I'm quite prepared for that. Pretty, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm quite prepared for it. Uh, but you know, uh, we're going to have a, a website that um, people will be able to go into, take a look at the raw footage. Um, there's also in the DVD, if, they, if people will wait that long, um, we will also put in a data. DVD in the actual package, and uh, there'll be uh, the data sets from our investigation, from also our uh, audio diaries and our video diaries from those particular in incidents that are uh, showcased, or is so to speak, in the documentary. So there'll be a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that that will hopefully help explain why we did and how we did it.
That's awesome. Uh, I, I think that's that's very exciting for you know someone like me who's really an enthusiast more than a researcher to just to have access to all that background information that obviously you know for for very obvious reasons when you put together a documentary all that stuff gets trimmed out. So it's great that you guys are going to include that. Well, uh, if, if you go back, Daniel, to, and, and I don't know if you listened to the archive show, Oh yeah. I, that was a point that I made yeah. that I really hate about documentaries of yeah. dealing with this particular subject matter, or really any subject matter that's, you know, quote-unquote well, so, controversial. Yeah. So many of these documentaries are, are more just, you know, they're entertainment more than, more than meant to inform. Sure. Uh, and obviously, sure. you're talking about is something very, very different that has real research value. Um, and well, so, obviously, you're, you're trying to do the very best you can. Um, I mean, if it, well, what you, I mean, what you're saying sounds fantastic. So I, I really hope that um, that it, that it does. Cause it, it sounds like it could it could move this research forward tremendously to a ne- to the next level. If, you know, if it can withstand the scrutiny and uh, and it all, all stacks up. So I mean, I have very high hopes, and I'm extremely enthusiastic about it. Well, I, I want to thank you, obviously, for bringing this forward. And, uh, well, I would hope that in some someday we'd actually be able to sit down at a table and go through some of the uh, information that, uh, you know, you can't fit everything into even a, a two-hour and, you know, 54-minute documentary. You know, it's for what we have in our archive, <laughs> I say we're going to do three of them. Well, maybe three is not enough. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I, I personally, I told I told DW the other day that I'm like, I I just want to do get this first one done, and then the very next day I get the contract for the second one. And I'm like, uh, they're wanting the second one. We're supposed to start the putting it together in February. So they've. The, the company has uh, um, pushed our timetable by almost a factor of 12 months. Wow. And uh, I'm like, okay. Um, I just got through trying to, do, to get this one together, and I haven't quite finished that. Um, so I'm like, and, and, you know, the guys are standing around, you know, with, you know, shock looks on their face. Yes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know in my industry what that means. Like, yeah. That's um, but another thing is, um, you achieve a certain level of burnout. Yeah. And uh, I get, um, and I'm guilty of this. I really, I get, um, you know, I get kind of lackadaisical and I go, okay, well, whatever. Whoopee. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> but I, I'll start to figure that, you know, I've been. You know, we've been dealing with this for, I say, I, and I need to stop doing that because there's 27 of us at this point, and they get, they, they, they're not into the, you know, get out there in front of people. It's they're, they're, they're the nuts and bolts people. They make it work, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm kind of, uh, we have a philosophy, and that is, um, basically, our philosophy is just. Do it, get it done, and don't let anybody or anything get in your way. Mm-hmm. Now that that sounds steamrollerish, so to speak, but it also that's our drive. That's how we make things happen. And I was, if we didn't think that way, then I, you know, I think I don't think we would ever be to the point that we're at right now. Do you think? Um, I know that uh, you 
you had a pretty profound encounter early on. And um, do you think you could have ever gotten to this place without having had that encounter, without having had that surety before you began this journey? Well, I think... I know I was very driven after that because yeah. I'd always had it in my, in my mind to do something to try and, and you know, to bring to the... Uh, bring to the table, and I don't want to say bring to the public because that is not really what we want to do. Bring to the table something that would say, okay, someone someone could pick up and go down the line and listen and go, oh, you know, pick it up, you know, get out there and go go really live with them if you want to put it that way, or you know, make it their their uh, work like uh, uh, good all did. Um, just just to get the ball rolling in the scientific world, that's that was, you know, they're there, they're living, they're breathing, and, um, you know, we have, we have, I want to, I want to have more open-minded skepticism, and I, I try to, I'm trying to, to, uh, how should I say this, I'm trying to stem some of my animosity towards skeptics, but at the same time, I know I'm going to beat them over the head with some of the stuff that comes coming down the line on this, on what we've been doing. So I'm okay with that. I really, you know, because you, you've seen what happens out there to someone who tries to bring evidence forward. They get ripped to shreds. And and I think a lot of the people get scared off that may have very good evidence that just don't want to give it, put it up there for review because they've seen what happens to other people. And I'd like to try and, um, with what we're doing, I'd like to try and, stem that flow of, of people being, you know, bashed into just... Well, in theory, if the evidence you're bringing forward is strong enough, it should withstand that. But I, by the same token, I imagine that means you're still going to have a pretty thick skin to weather it all in the meantime. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I'm not know. in a hurry to go looking for evidence and bring it forward because I'm not sure I have thick enough skin to weather it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I call myself an enthusiast and not a researcher. Yeah, that's... that's yeah. Uh, that's perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, and you know what it's like out there, so you have to keep that uh, keep that all in in balance when you when you uh, you know take things into consideration. So. Aaron, did you have any uh, things you'd like to say? Yeah, uh, Ed, I don't know. Uh, we we haven't heard much about it since uh, the MABRC forum crash, but. Uh, are you guys still pursuing the Horizon project? Uh, yes, we are. Okay. And I can't. I can't really talk about that at this time. Okay. That's something that uh, um, we keep. We're, we're just going to keep under wraps. But yes, okay. it is. Uh, it is uh, in, underway in a in a muted concept, but not much. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want me to, I will not restore that to the forum. Uh, until you um, no, that was public. You can go ahead and put that up there. Just put put everything that was public. Put it back out there. Okay. Um, I'm we're okay with that. Okay, um, we're fine with that. Okay, and uh, one other thing uh, you mentioned here a while back, uh, it was actually a post on the the forum before it got hacked. Uh, that you were talking about possibly putting that interface to your database on the form so people could access your 
yeah. database in the future. Uh, are we still looking at trying to accomplish that sometime? Yeah, uh, we need to decide how we're going to inter make that as an interface. We, it can be stored organically to you yeah. on what released, and I'm, I, uh, I don't think we're, any of us have an issue with that because it becomes public anyway. Okay. Um, but what we won't do is we won't put um, locational information if it's still an area that we're operating in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree with so, you there. Uh, but that simply isn't going to happen. Uh, I've got a bunch of other researchers here with us, and uh, I was wondering if any of them had any questions they wanted to ask. I don't have anything. Okay. Well, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed listening to what yeah, I've heard. Yeah, very interesting. I'll, I'll push ahead with one then again. I've got, um, Ed, this is Daniel again here. Have you guys observed any behavior that you found surprising? Uh I can say that um, uh, tree knocking is a pretty much a foregone conclusion, um, and rock throwing. Hmm. You know, there's always those speculations as to, well, they don't throw rocks or they don't bang trees. Well, that question will get answered. <laughs> so oh. that part I think we're okay with. Um, I I think I'm most surprised by their ability to hunt and their abilities to how shall I say um, trick if not lure their their prey into a situation where they can best take advantage of their target uh, their food target that's it's just uh, it uh, just amazes me as to how um, how they can do that. It, it's really, it leaves me speechless. Wow. Um, and, and I would also like to preface that by saying I always thought that had to do with the with the infrasound, but I'm not quite sure that that's what the, they're using. I, I, and I don't, I don't have an explanation for what they're using uh, outside their, maybe they just, they just know each other's movements at the same time. I, 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 maybe that's how they train themselves to operate. I don't know. Hey, Ed. But, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, we've got a uh, we've got a special guest standing here with us. who's going to be speaking at the conference tomorrow. Are you familiar with Scott Nelson and his study with the Sierra Sounds? Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. He's here, and uh, he, he's got a question he'd like to ask you if you if you don't mind. No problem. Hi, Ed. Hello, Scott. Hey, I was just wondering, in, in um, all of the evidence that you've collected, do you have anything at all that would sound like chatter or any type of um, uh, a language? Okay. Um, I can say that if you want to call it a language, maybe a series of, of clicks uh, and uh, oomph whistles, but I'm not sure if that would be what I would consider a language. However, when we were doing our um, abandoned camp experiment back in, I think it was 2004, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that abandoned camp thing from our, our uh, archive of posts out there. Are you or are you not? Yes, no, not. 
fact that well, yeah, I think when you tomorrow, actually the clicks, the the, uh, the uh, um, tooth pops, uh, they actually have some language. We don't know if it's encoded or not. Yeah. Um, we did a an abandoned camp experiment. I'm curious. Well, that's valuable for, you know, for future research. Uh, where you kind of broke up, Scott, I'm going to have to ask you to repeat the last sentence. I'll just say that any anything you collect vocally, uh, uh, you know, is going to be uh, valuable for, you know, future linguistic research as well. Right. Um, and when we release our, our uh, incident reports, our impacts, then we um, all that audio is in there. So you'll have right. a lot of time to pour over it, and maybe you can pick something out of it that we haven't. Um, and you're more than welcome to, to highlight that and whatever we do capture. I'll certainly forward on to you. All right. Um, well, I'd love to take a look at no it. Problem with that. But what I want you to look for in specific, okay, uh, we did, a, and, and Randy could probably tell you about it, and Darren could probably tell you about it, was a uh, abandoned camp that experiment we did where we played certain languages. We set up mannequins, set up tents, set up dirty laundry, set up phony fires and, well, phony fires, but fires, and, you know, made it look like a camp. Wow. Um, and then put cameras in in the perimeter and um, in one instance hung them kind of vertically over the, the camp itself and then left it for uh, over, basically over nine weeks. But we, what we would do is have it on a uh, boom box um, mm. inside the tent. We would have it on a timer. Uh, we have a, a, about five 12-volt batteries hooked up in a series, uh, pardon me, parallel. That way that uh, it would have power for a good period of time. And um, it would play... Uh, one time it would play... One week it would play like conversational uh, uh, conversational German or conversational French in the next week oh. just to see what we would get as far as actual responses. Hmm. The best response we got was when we played conversational Japanese. Really? That's when we had um, we had them that, that's rock. Same because one of the first things that that um, I shared with a colleague of mine who was a, a native Japanese speaker um, was a a word that shouted on the the Moorhead tape uh-huh. that in in an ancient form of Japanese meant uh, caution or danger. Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know Japanese, and uh, nor do I. I just, thought, I just <laughs> thought it was odd that we got. More more activity and more responses um, when we played the conversational Japanese than any other conversational language that we pumped out there. All right. Well, thank you. Um, and and I'll, I'll, I'm sure that you'll get that information when that comes up. I'll try and make that a point. Sounds good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, Ed, we're uh, we're at the one hour mark. Uh, okay. I'd like to take this time, you know, we, we are in the field and uh 
everything is pretty limited out here. We didn't even get to do our intro that uh, we'd like to thank Bill Lee for uh, for doing for us. Uh, but is there anything that you would like to to talk about yourself uh, that you'd like to to get out there for everybody to know about? Um, as far as timelines for this documentary getting out there, our contract with the network is um, when we deliver the the package, which is the documentary, to them, they have up to two years to air it. After they, the initial air date, then they can air it for 60 days after that, and after that we can release the DVD. The, the target, we can really only plan about the release of the DVD only after they've given us an initial air date. But they have two years to do it. Okay, and once once you get that air date, I'm I'm pretty sure that you'll uh, let us know so we can announce it on oh, that. Oh, uh, yeah, that that is correct. I can, also, we cannot show a trailer to it until uh, they until we're 30 days prior to their air date. Okay. Well, by contract, that is just. I'm sorry, but you know contracts rule the world. Um, and we had to give up certain things to get certain things. Hey, do they have Do they have any editorial control, or is that no? With you guys, no. That's reassuring. We did not allow them to have ever editorial control. That's why we're going nuts trying to cut it down. <laughs> so, so that's uh, that's where we're at. That's and I didn't want that. We didn't want that. We fought hard not to get that. We said, well, we'll go to somewhere else. Somewhere else will want us, and we got it. So we're okay with it. And we got a couple of latecomers here to the to the round table. I just want to put a shout out to Nugget and GS Mom. Uh, they've uh, our two token bait prospects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, but it sounds like everything's going uh, going on pretty smooth. Yep. Uh, with the documentary and the release of the information, uh, I've got to admit I've fielded quite a few questions. Uh, from a lot of people about, you know, when when are the release of the information is going to occur and, you know, what is actually in the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually had a gentleman at the Hanobi Bigfoot Conference uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, after I said hi to him, the first thing he did was uh, ask me about what's going on with the Ed Smith stuff. So there's there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there just – waiting to see what you guys release and uh, be interesting to see what they, how they react to it. Well, um, all I can say is um, we'll just put it out there and, you know, doc, put out our documentation with it and kind of let it roll. Um, you're not going to make anybody happy 100%. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know that. And to tell you the truth, and I'm going to make, I, I'm going to do what I did last. I'm going to make somebody mad when I say this, but I don't believe that we're ever going to completely solve this until we put one of these creatures into captivity or in on a slab. Until that day happens, I don't think we'll be 100%. I'm not pro kill. I'm not um, 
not anything like that. But I can tell you this: when we did the study on our uh, capture of, uh, did a roto protocol on the capture of live of the live bigfoot specimen, we um, took every consideration and detail down to the down to you know the nth degree. It could be done. I'm not wild about it, but if that's the only way we could get, you know, um, 100% provability, if that's even a word, um, then that may be the route we have to take. And that and that sounds radical, and I know that we're going to hear about that down the line, but um, that sounds radical. But just take a look at any of the debates going on over the genetic issues on any of these forums or any in 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 any any blog or whatever you look at, it's always about well, what do we look for? We don't know what to look for. We don't have the actual genetic stuff that says that that's a you know Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Skookum, whatever you want to call it. So I'm and and I've been we've been the group's been at a battle from all the people from either, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, and, and uh, Louisiana and Texas, um, even from out of the country, we've been talking about what, what uh, you have certain genetic evidence, you have certain electronic evidence, but even that may not be enough to establish, there it is. There's, this is physical. You can touch it. You can see it, smell it, hear it. In captivity, I don't know. It, 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 I have a very big disdain for that 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 possibility. But more and more, I see. I don't see any other way out, out outside of doing going to those two extremes. And and I certainly don't want to have a, a, a kill situation, but I certainly don't want to do a capture situation. Um, so those are the things I'm pondering because I still, even when we throw the three volumes out there and, and everything else with our test data, with our genetics, the whole mess, I still believe that we're going to hit a huge wall with some of these, uh, with some of the scientific community. That may be something that you know, someone else can comment on that's there. I mean, maybe Daniel has an opinion on that. I don't know. But um, just think about that. I mean, you can hit them with everything you have, and they're still going to scream. But you make a good case, then when you have to go that to the next level because they won't accept it, maybe they'll, that'll soften their position enough to say, okay, let's not do that. Let's just you know, we, we accept that there's, a, there's an animal out there that we have not been able to catalog, and maybe we'll get a better, uh, some better, some better field representation than we have in the past. That's my deal. <laughs> That's kind of my rant. <laughs> well, Hello? I think uh, I think we pretty much covered quite a bit. Uh, I mean, unless. Anybody's got anything else? I, I think I could go all night, but I think okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll have, I'll save that for later. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's good to hear that uh, 
you guys have got the documentary coming out and that we can probably look forward, you know, don't know exactly when, but look forward to the release of the data to back it all up. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, if nobody else has any more questions, Randy, you got anything? No, no, I'm good. I, I do want to just go ahead and bring up, you know, to all the listeners that, Ed, even if none of this panned out and, and all I had to live with was the conversation we've had over the past two years, I cherish it because it is it is satiated my craving for information. <laughs> and, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed our, our conversation and our friendship, so I appreciate that. Okay, well, I, I, uh, I appreciate it too. <laughs> uh, so we'll just kind of like move forward and do what we do and get there. We'll get from, we'll get that. You know, to A to C with going through B. So it'll work. I hope that um, it will come together the way we all hope it does. Well, well um, we're definitely uh, pushing forward to that end. Well, I guess, uh, Ed, uh, we'll let you go and uh, you enjoy your rest of your Friday night, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Yep. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, we'll uh, if you get some more get the the backups restored, then um, I'll see about dumping some stuff out there myself. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's been quite a job, but I, I'll do I'm that sure. as soon as I can. Remember, I keep telling you, you got to feed the squirrel more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. so. Okay. Well, Ed, I, I sure appreciate you coming on the show, and. Uh, as always, it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Okay. Well, I appreciate talking to you, too. Okay. And uh, y'all have, be careful and be safe and enjoy the weekend. Okay. You, too. Bye-bye. Folks, sorry about the dead air there, folks. Uh, when we killed the conference call, it actually knocked us out of talk shoot, too. Uh, I'd like to just take a few minutes to uh, talk with Daniel. Uh, I, I got the privilege of uh, picking him up at the Fort Smith Airport and riding down with him here to Atoka, and we talked pretty much the entire way except for the time we was chewing on hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. I've been, I've been picking DW's brain. It's been just fun. And, uh, of course, I, I want to do a shout-out to our friends over at the Alabama Bigfoot Forums that he yeah, spent some spent, time. Yeah, I spent the last uh, few days with them before coming here, and we had a wonderful outing. Um, had some some good times, really lovely, lovely people, and they were just the most delightful hosts. I uh, really, really want to thank them for their hospitality and the friendships that we built there. Um, and it looks like we're building some fantastic friendships here, too, over with uh, all the MABRC guys and uh, Mike at the Hall and the Texas group um, at the Buggy Depot Conference, which... Uh, is just beginning now with the movies and looks like going to be a really cool day tomorrow with all the speakers. So, yeah, I mean, can't say it enough. 
we we really appreciate you coming over to visit us across the, the big pond there. I've been trying to get in for years. Dream come true. Uh, so, uh, well, folks, we're going to call tonight. Uh, Randy's getting anxious to go into the woods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's pacing. Yeah, he's, when it comes to going into the woods, you know Randy. He's, he's got to be in there. So, uh, so with that, we'll uh, we'll close the show, and uh, we want to thank everybody that will be listening to this in the archives. I, I know it should be downloaded quite a bit just based on the information. Uh, and I apologize again. So, folks, uh, even if we don't hear this, uh, we'll call tonight, and we want to thank everybody for being there. Excuse me, so the guys. Good.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.